the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program was pre-recorded, and the views expressed do not necessarily represent those of this station or its management. Perspective. Teaching. Conversation. This is Isaiah 61. Over the next half hour, you'll hear why the Lord provided those verses and how they can be used in witnessing, in the church, and in daily life as God's children. Now, here's your host of Isaiah 61 from Spirit of the Lord Church in North Minneapolis, Pastor Joe Sutton. Hey, good afternoon, everyone. This is Pastor Joe Sutton uh, coming at you again with uh, Isaiah 61. It's just a, such a pleasure to be able to uh, to be able to broadcast and to, to listen and knowing that uh, just touching lives, man. It's it's always a, a blessing to me. It's like I always tell people the summertime is a time that you store up your heat and get ready for the winter, but it's also a time of getting out and, and witnessing. You get to see who your neighbors really are, you know, after a long cold winter of, of bungled up faces and bungled up hands and feet, and and you get to go out there and actually get to see see who lives next door to you. You know, you drive through the neighborhood, you can smell people uh, smelling grilling. You know, I don't know what your neighborhood was like on the Fourth of July, but oh my God, I thought I was in Beirut. You know, <laughs> in my neighborhood, man, it's like. It's like, man, I was like, I, this is the first 4th of July. I actually felt tense, you know what I mean? Because all the booming and popping going around me, I went home. You know what I mean? I, I went and laid down because uh, I can imagine. I got a couple, I got a Vietnam veteran in my uh, church. He used to always say how he just puts on earplugs because <laughs> it reminds him of Nam, you know, what he's going through there. But I, I was wondering, like, where did all these people get all this money to pop all these fireworks, man? I know, and so I know the north side of town was hopping, you know. I mean, I don't care if I was in Brooklyn Center, Robbinsdale, you know, people had their own little mini fireworks shows going on, and there wasn't the Sam's Club fireworks that was popping either. It was like Wisconsin made some money this summer. Uh, but, you know, just a chance to impact lives and, and to meet people, uh, you know, one of the things that, that we do is we do sports camps, and we like doing sports camps, and, uh, this summer we didn't do basketball. We didn't do our our, our basketball camps. Uh, we're just noticing something in our in our neighborhood, and that's that a lot of the a lot of the families moving into our neighborhood are young. They're very very young. Uh, we would have did better having a stroller camp, you know, having stroller races than have like a basketball camp. And so whereas before our playground used to be packed, you know, now it's not as packed anymore. Uh, getting into there. So, but our track program really blossomed this year. I mean, just a really great family atmosphere, positive environment, uh, being able to impact some lives of, of, of families uh, because we're together a lot. You know, we're together four or five days a week. And uh, on the weekends, we're together. We just came back from our trip in Iowa uh, where we uh, just pretty much stayed together and, and, and huddled up and had our own little camp at the track. And, and you just get to have these conversations that, you know, the impact lives and, Help create destiny. You know, I mean, it is so good when you have such a plethora of people together uh, from different backgrounds. I don't care. Some you know, 
parents were farmers and and just sharing and kids just to get to find out they really get their own little story on careers from the different parents that are there and coaches and uh and then the older kids talking about what college they want to go to and the younger kids they just want to go to the college because they made the NCAA 64. <laughs> That's all they know. And, uh, and you know, just telling them the difference of different things. It's, it's a great opportunity to uh, to share and, and lead. A friend of mine in South Carolina, he just started a track program and, and they're, uh, you know, you know, you know, they're, they're just really seeing how good it is to build families. So uh, we had, we had a good time. We get ready to go to Greensboro, North Carolina. This, when you listen to this program, we'll be in, We'll be in Greensboro. We'll be competing, uh, trying to see if we can continue our streak of uh, of all Americans that, that we have going out there. We have some great kids going out to compete and with a chance to become all Americans and, and representing Minnesota and our region, our six state region. Uh, we qualified thirty two kids for the national meet. Uh, we registered eighty, qualified thirty two. We're going to take twenty, uh, you know, down there, and so it's going to be a, a great time. So. In your prayers, pray for us. Uh, you know that Saturday and Sunday is finals, and we'll be hitting the road on Sunday, driving home, and and uh, we just need your prayers and going through what we do. You know, I've uh, been talking about the subject of raising up a king and 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 everything like that, looking at it from an Old Testament point of view. And today, I want to just go into the book of of Timothy a little bit. I'm not going to start in chapter one. I'm going to start in chapter three. You know, uh, Paul is giving instruction to Timothy. Uh, this book has always been a, a, a favorite of mine. And, and now I'm no longer considered a, a, a young leader anymore. You know, I'm, I'm getting that, that gray, you know I mean? I can't afford that stuff you put in your beard to make it look black. Uh, like my, some of my contemporaries. So I just, I just rock my gray for now. And, <laughs> and so, but Paul is giving him some instructions, but the book now has relevance to me from another angle is what do I teach my young leaders? what, what am I preparing my the teenagers in my church to do? Uh, our church is, is in a rebuilding phase. Uh, you know, we uh, had, you know, just one of the things where we had like I almost had to have a restart, you know, because we, you know, got to a point, you know, after 20 some years and you got to come back and, and you got to hit the drawing board again. We had just some internal strife every church goes through and you bounce back and you come back. So I have a bunch of young leaders and, uh, I try to just get them a, a, a blue point to work with, you know what I mean? Especially with uh, teens that we work, I work with in the summer uh, in our everyday program, our track program, you know, our, the camps that we do. Uh, I try to get them to understand what is it that God wants out of them, especially when it comes to dating. You know I mean, you know, that that's a whole another thing. I don't know where that wait till 16 came from, you know what I mean? But I used it, you know, when they were five and six. <laughs> I don't need no girlfriend until you're 16 years old. You don't need no boyfriend until you're 16 years old. You know what I mean? I don't, I don't know where the 16 came from, where that magic number came from, but I used it until they got 16. <laughs> then they start looking at me. I turned 16 next year, Dad. I got a boy. No, no, I don't think you're ready. I, I think 32, 32 is uh 32 is the new number. You know, 32 is the new number. We go get somebody there. You know, we never really feel like kids are ready for that because you know it, it gets into that point. But are we trying to raise them to be prepared to handle life situations when they come that way. And, and even in my fifties and I can't handle life situations, sometimes things hit me and it rocks me and it, and it, it sets me back. Or even in a discipleship process, when I see people in my congregation go through some things, uh, it, it hurts at times, 
But let's look at First Timothy chapter three and uh, verse one. Let's take a journey through uh, chapter three together, and uh, as our time permits, uh, it is true that anyone who desires to be a church official wants to be something worthwhile. Anyone who desires to be a church official needs to have their head examined. No, I mean, but it, 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 they desire something worthwhile. You know, so you you have to have that servant's heart. Jesus said, if you want to be the greatest, you have to be the least. And if you want uh, to be the ruler, you have to be the servant. And servant leadership was what Jesus was expounding. And, and Paul said, it is true that anyone who desires to be a church official, who desires to be an elder, who desires to to, to, to minister, you know, who desires to do something, it, it's, it's, it's worthwhile. It's a worthwhile goal in which to have. You know, I always personally tell my family that that our role, our family role is to serve and and we serve. That's what we do. We serve. You know, we serve, you know, uh, we serve the man or woman of God and we go in there and we make sure no matter what our profession is. I've always talked to whether you're a lawyer, whether you're a doctor, whether you're a janitor, you know, whether you're a teacher, uh, be a servant. You know, when it comes to your 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 church, when your neighborhood you serve, you know, in, in the wintertime, uh, you know, if my neighbors have not shoveled their walkway, bam, we shovel their walkway, not only in the front, but up into their door, you know, just as a, as a way of letting them know, Hey, we're thinking about you. We're neighbors. We're in, we're in this together. If there are any elderly people on my block, their lawn gets mowed. My kids know that's their job to mow that lawn and to shovel that snow. You know, they'll go and say, dad, do we need to do miss so-and-so? Yes, we do. You know, they'll argue over who's going to do, Who's going to do the chores? Because we know we have to serve. And, and that's something I taught them when they were little. You know, Menards had them little bitty shovels. Everybody had a shovel. Everybody <laughs> had a shovel mile. And we go out there and, and we shovel. You know what I mean? And we, we make that make that known. You know, now we got a snowblower. You know, I got teenage boys. And so now they, they don't mind doing it. But beforehand, they, they got, a, got a thrill out of doing that. Verse 2 says this. That's why officials must have a good reputation. And be faithful in marriage. They must be self-controlled, sensible, well-behaved, friendly to strangers, and able to teach. Man, that's a that's a that's a whole line. The, the New Living Translation says, "So an elder must be a man whose life is above reproach. You know, he must be faithful to his wife. He must exercise self-control, live wisely, and have a good reputation." He must enjoy having guests in his home and he must be able to teach. The King James version says, you know, he must have a good reputation in the community. Right. You know, or, you know, uh, you know, uh, or he must be blameless, a husband, one wife, vigilant, sober, of good behavior, given to hospitality after teach. You know, so your reputation that you have is 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 very important, very essential to you becoming an elder in the church. And really it's not so much as your reputation among the people in the church, but it's also your reputation in your community. You know what I mean? You know, your life is to be above reproach, meaning no one can come and find anything out about you. And I, I start teaching kids, uh, the qualifications of a church official or an elder or a leader. We started about age 10. I start getting them to understand because I want them to develop habits and consistency in their life that will help them when they get to that point. You don't want to uh, live like a, a hellion and then try to come be a, be a leader and, and then people always finding something wrong with you. 
you know, I always share the personal story with people that how when I was searching for the Lord, uh, I used to be a, a, a DJ, you know, back in the early days of, of, uh, you know, hip hop, you know, you had your G day, G DJs, MCs, everything like that. And, and, uh, you get out there and you do your thing. And, and, uh, I would, you know, Thursday, Friday, Saturday night, man, I'm spinning, you know, either I'm spinning for someone or I'm throwing my own party. And I, some Sundays I would come into church and I would go to the Holy spirit was really working on me. And, and I was like, man, I would go there and, and, and I would go to church and, and it would, nothing would deflate me more than to walk into the church and see somebody in the pulpit either giving announcements or leading worship or in the choir, you know, in a place of leadership that was at my party the night before or sometime. Ever. And and I would go like, it, it would deflate me. Now, I didn't mind seeing them sitting in the pew because I was in the pew and I was a DJ, so I wouldn't. I, but it was the fact that, you know, they on the other side of the pulpit, there's a lifestyle that's expected to be lived. You know, and not that there was anything wrong with them there, you know, dancing and doing anything like that. It's just that when it comes to whose life is above reproach, yeah, I mean, you know, you're sitting up there reading the scriptures that day, and I know you just spent three to four hours in the club with me, and now you're only giving God two hours on a Sunday, and you're supposed to be a leader. You know, it said he must be faithful to his wife, you know. And and faithfulness to your wife is is it goes beyond just whether or not you're committing adultery. You know, are you faithful to your wife and helping her achieve her purpose? Are you faithful to your to your wife and making sure that God's plan is done? You know, is 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 she your one and only not just physically, but even emotionally? You know, I mean, some people the, the, the you would think they were married to the TV remote. And, and their comfortable chair than they are to their wife as far as making sure that her needs are met. You know, and I've even seen Christian leadership couples where the wife has to carry the whole load, wash the clothes, do the kids, do everything. And the guy thinks all he has to do is go to work and bring some money home. And he never helps, you know, in that endeavor. You know, if you if you're going to be a leader, you have to have to make up your mind, you know, where where you're going to fall, what, what kind of leader you're going to be. Uh, next in verse two, it says he must exercise uh, self-control. Oh my goodness. You know, you just can't, you can't kick that one into, to, to being just because you want to become a leader. That's a part of your lifestyle that has to be evident. These things need to be evident in your life before you become a leader. Otherwise trying to work on them when you become a leader is hard thing. You know, can you exercise self-control? Can you control your flesh? Can you control your flesh? Can you, can you keep it under control? Do you, do you you fall into what they say in First John chapter two, you know, wanting what you want when you want it, the craze for sex and thinking that you're better than everybody? The three signs of of the world in your life is that in your life? You know, can you tell yourself no? You know, what I mean, can you, can you get there? You have to be able to exercise self control. Someone makes you mad, which happens in leadership all the time. People don't show up. People make promises and they don't, they don't keep them. Uh, you know, you know, can you exercise that self-control, you know, then live wisely, bam, live wisely, live with wisdom. Wisdom is knowledge plus experience. You know, are you able to live wisely, you know, and once again, you know, back to that good reputation, you know, a good reputation. That's what keeps you above reproach. Right. But the main thing I, 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 I really try to emphasize to my young leaders, which we have a problem with today, 
is uh, New Living Translation says this. He must enjoy having guests in his home. King James says to be given to much hospitality, not some hospitality. You know, in the book of Acts, we read how they got together and broke bread daily and discussed the apostle doctrine. You know, we uh, live in an era and time where people, you know, want to be alone, play their game, watch their TV, don't share, you know, but a leader has to be given to much hospitality. You're listening to Isaiah 61, the radio ministry of Spiritual Church. We're going to take a break and come back on to talk about hospitality a little bit more and the ability to teach. Spirit of the Lord Church is a multi-ethnic, multi-generational church impacting North Minneapolis and the greater Twin Cities. Emphasizing the four pillars of godly thinking, training up godly children, godly marriages, and outreach to the community. Spirit of the Lord has quickly become a staple to some of the people who need God the most. As they focus on Jesus Christ, grace and truth bind them together to become God's best. Join them for service every Sunday morning at 1030 at 1001 Penn Avenue North in Minneapolis. Spirit of the Lord Church, a proud sponsor of Isaiah 61. Is your life unsettled, in turmoil? Have you ever wondered why? Here's Adrian Rogers. It is absolutely imperative that you be certain about the Bible. You'll never get much of anything else settled until you get that settled. I'm Chris Fabry, inviting you to join us for Love Worth Finding with Adrian Rogers. Tune in to Love Worth Finding with Dr. Adrian Rogers. Weekday afternoons at 1 on AM 980, The Mission. Welcome back to Isaiah 61. Uh, just taking a look at 1 Timothy chapter 3 to lay a groundwork for uh, some of the things that that that, that leaders uh, need to have displayed. Uh, we were talking about hospitality. The scripture says um, must be able to enjoy having guests in his home, or as the King James says, be given to much hospitality. Uh, and, you know, when we live in a day and age where uh, we can stay home and we don't never have to leave our house to, for our entertainment. You know, they even deliver McDonald's to the house. Now you can, you don't even have to leave. It used to be the only thing you get delivered to the house was pizza. You know, now you got all these different things, uh, uh, different, different, uh, places, different or apps that will go to every restaurant, pick the food up for you, charge you a fee, drop it off for you. You know, hopefully you'll tip them and you can stay in the house, you know, and you can do that. But, you know, uh, the scriptures say that the leader must be given to much hospitality, must enjoy opening up his home. Uh, you know, at my first exposure to this, I was really, really kind of shocked. I went to a real, real large church, uh, 2,500 members. And um, and I remember the pastor came to me one day and and uh, and, and said, uh, you Joe Sutton? And I said, yeah, I'm Joe Sutton. He said, I, I heard I need to I need to spend some time with you. And I was like, and I'm like, like overwhelmed. I'm like, you know, why does this guy want to spend some time with me? And we met at his house and he found out I like to pray, invited me to his house for a prayer meeting he had with other pastors and leaders. And, and here I am, man, I wasn't even a Christian a year and I'm in a room with these guys and, and I just felt awed, you know what I mean? And, 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 uh, that, that somebody would take that time to invite me into his home. You know what I mean? I mean, this guy had a, radio program, TV pro. I mean, you know, it's like here I am sitting in this, sitting in his house. You know I mean? He's a big shot 
in the denomination and but he would open up his home and i i come to later find out that that you know i i wasn't unique in that but it was just a thing that he did when he found young leaders in the church or people that he felt were you know were that were really really hungry he made he made sure he spent time with them and he invited them to his house and and uh and went over there and and you know and, and had dinner and i man just I just, I never went over his house with, you know, I was being invited, but I always felt like I could go, you know, because it was there. And so that's where we look at leaders. And, and one of the things I think that, that, uh, that takes away from the fellowship and the power that our churches have is that we made them like a convenience store. You know, we just stop in, get what we want and get out. And, and, it's, and it's not the same quality as a regular store. But we just need something quick. You know what I mean? Uh, when I was in the convenience store business, they, you know, 70 to 75% of my sales came out of the cooler. And because people wanted to come in there, get something cold, grab a sandwich, whatever it was, get out of there. Now, we kept other stuff there, but they only bought that stuff out of desperation. You know what I mean? And and came and grabbed something, you know, whether it was washing powder or cold medicine or canned good. You know, they knew our prices was high and they come there. And and so now we, we pretty much have come down to once a week, come to service, you know, do what you got to do, practice, whatever. And that's it. You know, if you're in leadership and, you know, we need to open up our home more. Uh, we need to be available uh, for people, be available to share with them, whether it's, you know, after service or things like that. But we have to be given to much hospitality, you know, what I mean, making people feel welcome. Uh, even when people are homeless, you know, I mean, uh, some pastors in the Twin Cities uh, opened up their churches. Uh, one pastor got in trouble with the city because he was housing homeless people in there, you know, so definitely didn't have a, didn't have a license to do that. But he opened up his church to do that. You know, I didn't want to tell anybody we've been doing that for years, <laughs> letting people live in the church <laughs> Let them live in the church as opposed to sleeping in a car or or sleeping somewhere, you know, and uh, and there's always a risk with that. There's a risk with everything, with opening up your home, uh, you know, and doing things like that. But but the benefits way outweigh the risk, especially if you're a leader and you're trying to be a New Testament leader. You know, you don't want them to get up. You know, sometimes we have some guys, they have bodyguards when they end the service and you can't talk to them. They get ushered out, you know what I mean, you know, or whatever. And, and, and to me, you know, I still do the old-fashioned thing. I just want to greet everybody, shake their hand. Uh, let them know I'm available. Uh, you know, just one of the things that 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 is there. Some people only have Sundays to meet with you, and sometimes you got to look at that. And my family had to realize that Sunday was a time of me meeting with the congregation. You know what I mean? And and that I always made time for my family other days. But whenever most families are running off to eat after service, uh, mine ate without me. You know, because I was I was always talking to somebody or, or doing something that was there. Uh, and the end of verse two says this, he must be able to teach now out of everything there, not must not be a heavy drinker, must be gentle, not quarrelsome, not love money, manage his family. Well, having children who respect and obey him, you know, for a man who can't manage his own household, can't take care of God's church. All these things, these qualifications of a leader, the only one that requires a gift or the only one that requires training is teaching. He must be able to, to teach, you know, what I mean, everything else involves character. Everything else involves uh, how you are. Everything else involves, you know, how well you allow God to move through you, how you how you handle your family, how you handle your children, how you handle your money, how you handle your household, 
How do you handle your drinking? How do you handle your temper? You know, how do you handle all these things are deal with character. And and we have to really emphasize character, you know. Uh, and so 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 in the in the in the gist of understanding that our discipleship training or our leadership training uh, has to go beyond the classroom where we talk about the issues and things there, but have to focus on modeling where they actually see how it is a leader is to respond. Uh, and, and basically leadership etiquette. When I was in business school, that's what we did. We worked on etiquette. You know, how do you act at a reception? How do you act at a lunch? How do you act at a dinner? How do you act at a board presentation? You know, it was it was our etiquette and style that went along with our learning business law, counting skills, everything like that. All right. So we're coming to the end of this week's show. And we're going to dive in a little deeper and a little how to some who, what, why, where and when on these topics that are found in first Timothy chapter three and the molding of young leaders. I just want to emphasize to you greatly that the best thing that you can do is to let somebody walk with you and that they can see your character. And hopefully your character has been shaped by the spirit of the Lord. If you've already accepted this, this task, this call, this anointing to be a church official. Hey, God bless you guys. Look forward to sharing with you more next week. Pray for us as we're on the road and that we come back champions in Jesus name. Amen. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.